Welcome to Road Talk. It is Tuesday, December 3rd. Hopefully everybody enjoyed their uh, Thanksgiving weekend, long weekend off for most people. Uh, great football on this past weekend. Tons of college basketball. So if you're in the house, uh, around with friends, whatever, you had a ton to look forward to. Both teams in action, Rhode Island and Providence as well. Kyle, how was Thanksgiving weekend? Everything good with the fam? Real good. Did the whole lot of usual. What do they used to say? Like the, the three Fs? Family, football, food? Yep. Not necessarily in that order, but like you get the idea. All three of the above. Uh, yeah, nice little break from work and everything on top of it. A lot of sports, like you mentioned, especially locally here. We get a, a full taste of things. So it was an awesome weekend. Yeah, not you? bad. Oh, well, everything was good. You know, same th- same thing. Football, friends, everything else, uh, family. But, um, I mean, nice for you, too. You come back on Monday, and then you get Tuesday off with the snow day. A little bit of snow. Oh, it was awesome. What yeah. a day. Let me tell you, man. What a day. It was great. Anything off? Say no. What about yesterday? Were you off? You weren't off yesterday. No, no, full yeah. day, the usual. But let me tell you, you think school days are off as a kid are fun? Wait till you get to work them. That's <laughs> even better. Twice as good. <laughs> it's it's so great. Um, so we're gonna get you know we're gonna get heavy into Providence and Rhode Island basketball. Uh, obviously, the rivalry week a little bit here. Game on Friday, uh, December sixth. We got tickets. Cannot wait, Kyle. That'll be our first game at the Ryan Center this year. And uh, before we get to Rhode Island and Providence College basketball, we do have some roadie football news that came out uh, right when we finished recording last week. Vito Priori, starting quarterback Vito Priori, uh, is transferring out of Rhode Island. It says he is looking for a Group 5 opportunity, uh, much different than the Power 5. I think a lot of people got that confused when this news first came out. So this is Mountain West, MAC, Conference USA. Um, Vito, starting quarterback this past season, 23 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, a little over 3,000 yards. Um, big news, Kyle, here. I mean, your starting quarterback is leaving. You would have hoped to have had him for another year, but is it all that surprising? Maybe not with, you know, Parentes and, and guys like that knocking on your door. Um, Kyle, bad blow to the program. What are your thoughts on Priori having to leave or, you know, deciding to leave and um, looking elsewhere? You know, it always stinks for a guy that had a pretty good year. Um, I think all things considered, we talked about it a lot on here about, you know, not knowing what you're going to get and then getting a pretty good year out of Vito. Um, I think if we put like, you know, the timeline together towards the end of the year and then eventually him leaving to look back now kind of almost makes sense to see how like some of his snaps went down. You know, that Paranti's got to play a little bit right um, as the year wound down. And so you were wondering, you know, is it just simply they're trying to see what they have? Is there something internally going on? They're not on the same page. You know, just we don't really know. It's just pure speculation. But maybe just a combination of all those factors. And, um, you know, maybe the coaching staff kind of gave Vito that heads up of like, I think we're going to go in a different direction next year kind of thing. Obviously, he's welcome on the team. But either they're going to do that or just, you know, maybe we're saying, look, it's an open competition. Again, we're going to start all over, which, you know, maybe as an athlete, you took a little bit of pride injury there just purely guessing here, like what it could be. And could be a multitude of all those things. And just Vito saying, look, I have one more year. I'm going to go, you know, try somewhere else, see if I can make a team and, you know, compete for a starting spot. As you mentioned with like group of five, which uh, initially when I heard that, I was like everybody else. I was like, wait a minute, where? I was like, oh, oh yeah. group of five. Nope. Very big difference. You just hear like something of five. You're like, what, what? But uh, I like, pa- I paused for a minute, even though I almost did the same thing. And I was like, okay. I can see that. Might as well take your chances to go play somewhere else uh, if you can, because I think this roster will look pretty different next year and a very different offense as well. So I, you know, I can't really blame um, Vito for the move, but also, you know, for the Rams have kind of looks like they're going to go in a different direction. So um, it's unfortunate. You never want to see guys leave your program, but I hope that at least it's on good terms and it's kind of like a mutual understanding. 
I bet you it is a mutual understanding. There was kind of this 50-50 whether it was the coaching staff giving the nod that Parentes is probably going to get the start. Is it Vito saying, this is a disaster, I'm going to leave? I don't really think it's either of those. I, I think that, like you said, they were probably like, hey, you know, Parentes got in some games. That's probably in his head. And then, you know, are they going to start the whole thing up again next year? And is that something he really wants to do? Uh, for a program that this past season really didn't have all that much success. So could he get an FBS opportunity and kind of go through that same motions and, and hope to start somewhere? I don't blame him whatsoever for, for transferring. Um, is it a massive blow to the program? Not really. I think you could win two games with somebody else on this roster, maybe a sophomore parentheses and everything else. You know, to be honest, the offense wasn't the main issue this year. It really does come back to the defense. So if you do improve that unit, veto would have been a nice thing to have, but Overall, I don't think it's this uh, overwhelming, massive blow, and, and that's nothing v- personal against Vito. I just think in the direction of the program's going, you can win two, three games a year uh, with whoever's back there. We've been seeing it now for a decade, so, you know, I, I think we want a good quarterback, but, um, you know, at least go young and see what you have there and try to develop something over the next couple of years instead of, you know, you know what Vito is and you kind of know his ceiling uh, and let him get a different opportunity somewhere as a graduate. Yeah, it's kind of like just switching it up and I think trying to go in a different direction as this season probably didn't go as they liked. Um, you know, within like the team, there's probably always some things that they think went well, went di- uh, what didn't go well and such. Sometimes I wonder if they just feel like they need kind of a DNA change. You know what I mean? Changes there, players, influence, like just kind of restart. And I think there's a little bit of that going on. I think we kind of missed it a little bit with Parantes at the end. I mean, we talked about it, but I don't think we fully like maybe should have recognized like, hey, there might be some kind of writing on the wall here. Like this is it. You know what I mean? Like, again, you don't want to like speculate those things, but like, I feel like it should have been, we could have been more on top of that. I've been like, well, something's obviously not right, but I understand why the coach and staff are doing their due diligence, you know, of right. Is this the right direction? Should we go somewhere else? And then, you know, I think Vito will get his opportunity wherever he may land um, to go compete at that next level. And so that's always good. I mean, I think he's got the arm for it. No doubt about that. He made some good throws. Yeah, so good luck to him. <clears throat> Obviously, a little bit of Rhode Island football news here. Uh, but best of luck to him. We'll see where he lands, and when he uh, does land somewhere, we'll definitely give it to you. So, uh, But really, Kyle, we're here for one thing right now. It is Rivalry uh, rivalry Week. I don't know. I always struggle with that. Rivalry Week. we got Providence Friars in Rhode Island on Friday, but we are going to recap uh, the weekends for both teams. Rhode Island really with one game, so we're going to start with the Friars. And I think we kind of have to start with the Friars. We did last week. Um, we're going to get to them again this week. And, oh, just a little uh, peek here, assistant coach T.J. Buchanan uh, with us today. We're Rhode Island assistant coach T.J. Buchanan, an interview with us later on. So we won't go too depth in-depth into the Rams. We'll talk a little bit about the Friars to begin with. Thanksgiving troubles, Kyle. Oh, my dear Lord. It started on Thanksgiving, and it continued on through the weekend. Losses to Long Beach State on Thursday, College of Charleston on Saturday, and then what looked like could be another loss to Pepperdine on uh, either Saturday or Sunday. But uh, they were able to pull away with that one after a slow start and get the win. So trouble in paradise. Um, lots of issues here. Uh, PC fans not very happy that their absolutely loaded roster is losing to teams like Long Beach State. Um, not getting the games or the wins that they should be getting right now. You would expect them to be better than five and four at this point in the season, the way their schedule looked. I know we talked about it. I even said at one point, I'm not even going to talk about their non-conference because it's such a joke. Well, it looks like they've been forcing us to talk about it because they have not done what they're supposed to do. Kyle, give me your thoughts. Uh, starting with Long Beach, uh, College of Charlestown, overall in general, whatever. What's going on with the Friars of Providence? 
Bob, I don't even know where to start. <laughs> there are a litany of issues. Uh, I think first off, you mentioned it, just the expectations always play in. I mean, you have a lot of guys coming back the majority of your roster. You had a, you know, a grad transfer, a great score and Pipkins who seemed to fill a need or a hole rather with that, you know, that guard position for you, uh, point guard rather. And then it, everything looks great on paper. Like you mentioned it. Awesome team. But for whatever reason, it's not playing out right now in terms of actually on the court and how the games are supposed to go. They're struggling on offense still. Feels like it's very stagnant. Like many times you see the similar things to last year where they go minutes without scoring. Seems like long stretches, which kill them. Um, but also just I, guys aren't shooting at a high clip, not getting to the basket, not doing a lot of things well. The defense is lacking in some instances. It just feels like situationally, too, they get a little tight in some of these games that have gotten like the Long Beach, Charleston at different times get kind of tight and they just don't really play well at the end. They're not executing. They're not focused. Things are not well in Friartown, Bob. I know you mentioned it's never a great place to go, but if you start going to some of the forums or if you're on Twitter, oh boy, it has not been pretty where people are now starting to question Cooley, everything about the whole program and the state of the program, which I think at that end is a little bit over overreaction. Granted, we're nine games in. It's about a third of the season here, Bob. Plenty of time to fix things. However. It's got to be soon because this is supposed to be the, quote, easy part of the non-conference schedule. Now you're traveling to Rhode Island. You got Florida, Texas. Like, those are not gimmies in any way whatsoever. Those are very tough games. And so they've just run out of room. I know I didn't really get specifically to these games. You can. But, like, as an overall, they've run out of room of, like, any margin of error at this point for your non-conference. you got to get some wins because you have no marquee wins yet, just bad losses. And now you've got to find a way you know, before conference starts to get something, some momentum to build off of because the Big East is pretty good again. It's just overall, it's not a good spot to be right now. Not all hope is lost, but it, it seems kind of questionable. And, you know, I think they got to do some soul searching right now. Yeah, I mean, it's okay to go overall, I think, with some of these games. There's a lot of similar themes in these. Uh, a lot of people, you know, we're far removed from last Thursday. So, you know, a lot of minor general as well. But the number one thing I wanted to start off with, off of base on what you said, the number one thing, if you go and, type in hashtag PCBB like the second they lose a game Providence loses a game to an inferior opponent the first there's people just calling for Cooley's head I mean the dude is the reason that you're even relevant right now to be honest the way he recruits the way he's gotten the program there if Ed Cooley's not there who else is going to do that I mean AJ Reeves Pipkins Chris Dunn you're just going back in past players. Those guys aren't there if Cooley's not there. That's just a fact. So the fact that everybody just calls for his, his head right away is just tough in my opinion. I mean, I've seen it over the last few years doing this podcast, and it's obviously relevant now. This team has plays down to its opponent, no matter who it is. They play up to opponents, and they play down to opponents. And right now you had a stretch of some bad teams, and they've gone off to really bad starts. Um, I would even say against Long Beach State and College of Charlestown, it wasn't really so much the starts. We talked about it, you know, slow starts are killing them. They had leads on halftime at Long Beach State and called, they, they at least had a lead, one point, two point, whatever. It's still better than what they've been doing against Merrimack, or, um, yeah, Merrimack and teams like Northwestern, et cetera. Uh, but it was just the way they finished these games in those long, scoreless stretches that really killed them. Uh, you know, specifically, if we want to talk about it here, just some things that, that I saw. Uh, Pipkins right now is just, all over the place. I think he's taking so many. He had 10 threes against uh, either Long Beach State or what. I mean, there was one game I was watching. He was like just chucking up threes. 
And you just can't have it. That stagnant offense, settling for bad shots, just not what you want. You need a facilitator there. He hasn't exactly been the facilitator they were looking for. Granted, he has 47 assists, somewhere like five or six a game. Uh, but I think Pipkins and his shooting struggles have been an issue with this team. A.J. Reeves, just whether it's foul trouble, whether he's getting off to slow starts, whatever, he has not been exactly what they need. Um, so just guys like this that you need to rely on have not been there 100%. Diallo and Duke have been pretty consistent. They're not all that, you know, it's not like they're having fantastic nights or anything else. Duke's had a couple of good games, but overall it's been, you know, the role players, Reeves, uh, Pipkins, you know, Nate Watson, I give him a little bit of a, a, a slow start due to that injury, but, you know, he's come in and struggled at some points, but then again against Pepperdine, he had a good game and he's a reason you pulled away. So uh, they just got to get it together and start playing like a team when you got, uh, all this talent, it's just not gelling at the moment. You know, you have so much of it, and it's just not working right now. I think that last part of what you said is just not playing together. Certainly feels that way right now. Individually, there's a lot of talent. Everybody knows it. That's why you're picked so high, and there's, you know, these expectations for you. But as far as playing together and playing as a team, it doesn't seem like they put like a unit yet. They haven't fully gelled. They haven't come together. Uh, you know, as far as positive, though, you mentioned Duke. I'm certainly, you know, intrigued by him because of that step forward he's taken in his sophomore year. He looks much more comfortable. He's been much more efficient scoring wise too. just being aggressive. I like what I see from him, but it's hard on, you know, the rest of the team to find somebody who's been almost as consistent or good. I I know you mentioned Diallo, Bob, but I'm almost on the other side of like, I I don't know where his game is right now. He has not looked as great as before. Way too many turnovers, not as consistent in any way. I mean, I think in the Charleston game, he was like 4 of 15, 0 of 5 from 3, shooting like 20% from 3 this year. Granted, that's not his perfect game, but he can hit them. He's better than that. He's not a 21% three-point shooter. And just the shot selection overall, the body language when you watch him, it's just off. You mentioned Pipkins, too. He's really is hit or miss. Like you said, some games he's jacking up 10 threes, which is like, you know, stagnating the offense. Other games he's not taking any and, you know, having a hard time getting himself involved, I feel like. It's a little all over the map with those things. You know, you get all all around. You mentioned Watson, finally, who's, you know, slowly but surely. I feel like he's, you know, getting back to what he should be. But guys like Malik White, who was supposed to be key contributors, have struggled in many of the games this year. A.J. Reeves, I feel like even his, you know, substitution patterns sometimes by Cooley are a little strange because it just feels like when he gets going, he gets taken out. He still looks a step slow on defense. Like, it's all these little things that you were hoping to see that haven't really come through or haven't fully developed aside from like David Duke. Again, I, I think he's been awesome. It's just the other guys are, have been, you know, you're not sure what you're going to get on a night to night basis. You know, I would say too, just looking at specific games, cause you know, Long Beach state, I was able to check in, in and out of, uh, but that was tough on Thursday, but Friday college of Charlestown, I was able to sit down and watch a little bit. You mentioned Malik white. Uh, you know, I mentioned Pipkins here. Those guys combined zero points. zero and 13. Just nothing. I mean, absolutely nothing from any of them. You can't shoot like that. And that was also the game where uh, Diallo just couldn't hit a shot either. I mean, 4-15, that must have been the game against College of Charlestown, thinking back on it. Um, Guys like Holt are hit or miss right now. Just consistently inconsistent would be the only way to describe the role players, or actually any player, on the Friars. Consistently inconsistent. Uh, Gant getting in for a couple of minutes. Jimmy Nichols really, you know, he's played in a bunch of games. Haven't seen him uh, lately. I don't know if that's injury related or not. I kind of missed it. You know, he's been in, played in five games. We've heard a lot about him. Where has he been? Um, so, 
Cal, I just think right now Cooley has to figure something out and get these guys working together because um, five and four after nine games with the losses that they've had, they've dropped pretty significantly in Ken Palm. Uh, you know, I don't expect them to win all these upcoming games coming up against Rhodey, Texas, and Florida, like you mentioned. So if you come out of non conference with five or six losses, uh, your conference schedule is already difficult enough as it is. March is really, it's really early to say this, but you know, you can win the Big East tournament, or whatever, but you're really hurting all your opportunities, uh, to play in March with these bad, bad losses. Yeah. You just, you're slowly eliminating your margin for error. Like, you know, that you're talking about along the way, you just can't drop any more games. You can only have so many bad losses against you and, you know, lost opportunities to grab wins. Uh, at least that's the good news playing good teams coming up. It could end in losses, but it also gives you that opportunity to offset some of those bad losses that you've seen already on, you know, like having Penn at home or Long Beach State as Charleston as these teams are OK, but you shouldn't be losing to teams, you know, in the in the Big West and the CAA back to back. I don't care where it is, home away, like, you know, you're you're better than that and you've been better than that. The talent is there. All those things combined, which I, I think that's where when you put everything together, Bob, it feels like the, the common point to look at is Cooley. Because it feels like everything else is there. And right, it's like, right. Wait, yeah. You know what I mean? But obviously a little bit on the players themselves of like just performing more consistently. But then it all kind of just points back to the guy, right? Of being, where are you right now? What's with this offense? Saw a lot of this last year. It hasn't really gotten better. Guys are kind of all over the place. Something needs to be worked out because it's clearly not working. Whatever it is right now isn't working. It needs to be switched up a little bit. And so, I, you know, I wonder how they respond to it because it's got to be quick and decisive. I mean, starting this week. You're losing opportunities left and right, and it's going to change quick. Right, yeah. I mean, there's no issue with pointing the finger at Cooley with some of these issues. You know, absolutely. He points a finger at himself, too. And yeah, after he the does. Game, I mean, like just acknowledging what it is. That was my point. I mean, he always, he's not afraid to accept uh, if he's making mistakes. He's not afraid to tell you if his players are the ones making mistakes or not playing hard enough. He's very honest, he's very forthcoming. So he'll tell you right away. And a lot of the issues are on him right now. I mean, it's he's the guy that kind of has to figure it out. Uh, but you know, just, I, I always hate just calling for, for guys jobs that really just truly don't deserve it right now. I mean, there, it's just, it goes way overboard to, to start calling for him after like, as if they're going to fire him nine games in, um, of the season with everything that he's done for the program. That's just, yeah, it's just emotionally charged. You know, how people right. are reactionary and ridiculous on the but internet. You hear it year in and year out. I know. I know. I did. And I always wonder like, all right, well, what's your alternative? Give me what's coming next, because that might not be better. You, never, you just don't know. Unless you know something else that's going to happen, sure. But be careful what you ask for, because it was not good 10 years ago, in the Keno Davis or Welsh days. This is miles better than what it's been. It's not perfect. Clearly not. But at least it's a step in the right direction. Um, I have one more thing, just quickly. Yeah. Just on Pipkins. That has not worked thus far. Granted, it's been 10 games. But it doesn't feel like, again, I'm making these assumptions, like he's bought in and he's like involved in the offense and is like, you know what I mean? I don't know like where that's at. And I maybe I've been a little biased here because I see a lot of UMass Twitter stuff and they are all over it. Like, this is what he is. This is Pipkins. He's not going to make you a better team. He's a great player, but there's just something off sometimes. And like I, maybe that idea has crept into my head. So like when I watch, I feel that way sometimes and I'm like. I think he needs to change his game a little bit of like just fitting in. It it almost feels like he's not completely within the offense at times. And I, you know, not trying to call a guy out, but it's also like many others have been here kind of bought in and it it doesn't feel like he's fully there yet for them to reach their potential. We got to, I'll try to find the episode. I guarantee you though, 
when this news came out, both you and I sat here and said, wow, Pipkin's on PC. You know, he's crushed Rody over the years. He's now going to come on PC and do the same thing. The one question, and we both brought up the point, was that he's so ball dominant. Is he the right guy to bring on this team? We both said that right off the bat. It was not, and again, this is so early, but this was one of the one concerns was he's a great shooter, he's a great scorer, but is he the missing piece? Because the missing piece last year was like a Cartwright, like a like a point guard, like a Chris Dunn, like a facilitator, a scorer but a facilitator, a leader. And we did wonder if he'd have to, if he'd be able to do that or change his role a little bit. We both brought that up. So now we're nine games in and we're having the same question. So um, just seeing him for three years, we noticed it. I mean, you can't just fire off 10 threes in a game uh, as a point guard. I, I think that's totally unacceptable, especially when you're only hitting two of them or three of them. Just not going to work. Yeah, I mean, I think you got the message in the next game by limiting those shots to, you know, select right. ones and just, you know, taking the better ones, not just taking them to take them. And so I, I think that message might be getting received, too. It just you mentioned it. You have a lot of options on this team, a lot of people that can score in different ways, too. So there should be much more balance going around. Um, and so I think he might have to kind of take that role of like doing a little bit of everything. It's tough, though, with those one year guys sometimes. Like, you know what I mean? They've been so ingrained over the years. They know what they do well and they're brought in. Why do you think he was brought in? He thinks to score and do what he's done. But I, I think it might be a new dimension that it's taken some figuring out here on the team for him to like, you know, fully get what Cooley wants him to do. Listen, if there's one team that Pipkins can turn it all around against, it's Rhode Island, <laughs> and he plays them this Friday. So yeah. let's see what happens uh, this upcoming week, the rivalry game. So, I mean, I mentioned it. That's their one game this week, Rhode Island, December 6th. It is at the Ryan Center. Tip-off is at 7 o'clock, and then they don't play until uh, next Saturday against Stony Brook. So um, do they have an opportunity to win against Rhode Island? A hundred percent, and we're going to talk about that more. That's why we're not getting into it right away. We're going to go roadie PC, some discussion uh, there. But they can absolutely beat Rhode Island. They can beat Stony Brook. And then they can be on a little bit of a roll before getting into Florida, Texas, and get their swagger back. So no doubt about that. Um, all right. Before we get to our interview with TJ, Kyle, let's just talk about the Rams here. One game uh, over Thanksgiving, not as busy. Uh, so, you know, well, actually two, I guess. We did not talk much about Man- Manhattan. But I'm, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not all that much about Manhattan. West Virginia just happened two days ago. That's kind of what I'm all about. Uh, they lose another running match. That's what I've been calling them a running match. 86 to 81 on the road to West Virginia. Fats Russell on this incredible streak. Six games of 20 points or more. He's clearly right now, uh, the best scorer on the team. He's probably one of the best guards in the A10 at the moment. A game high 32 points along with five assists and five steals. Kyle, we could talk about specifics. Uh, in this one against West Virginia, another tough one on the road that you lose. We said it last week. At some point, you're going to have to start winning these games, uh, but they're not going to win. They obviously didn't win this one. So your thoughts uh, playing the uh, Mountaineers on the road? Yeah, another mixed bag of like good and bad. You know, just um, defense obviously lacking a lot. I think you just saw the sheer size of West Virginia with dominant down low. That guy Culver. I think he ended up like 25 points. He just did whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted, didn't matter who was on him. Um, just saw a little bit of that frustration, I think, of a team imposing their will. Uh, but on the other end, Bob, Fats Russell. <laughs> I mean, you said it. And we, to be fair, we were all over him last year, as all I think over. was also warranted to be like, yep. what is this kid doing? What is going on? Felt like trying way too hard. This year, though, 
I think this is kind of what people were expecting him to kind of fit in and do. And now it's coming to life a little bit with another year of maturity and his junior year that move forward. This is a kid that I think everybody's expecting to see that just puts on unbelievable performances right now. And this one, he drops 32 and felt like he couldn't be stopped. It was like shades of that St. Joe's game at the end of last year where he went for 40 or whatever it was. Just when he gets going and he's hot, Good luck stopping him. Even doesn't matter that he's 5'8 out there running around. Like he makes his way to the basket. He creates difficult shots. He hangs in the air. He pulls up. Like when he's on, it's unbelievable. And right now he's on one of those stretches. The frustrating thing about West Virginia game is that it wasn't getting any help. Nobody else was helping him. As I'm looking around watching, I'm like, Dowton, you got to do something here. You got to help this kid out. Martin, you got to help this kid out. He's doing pretty much everything himself, but you need somebody, somebody else to come in. That can kind of take that burden off and try to, you know, share the load there because as much as he does, he can't do everything. And it just, you know, it never really came in that game. Doubt and struggled mightily, which, you know, it's hard to get on him for because I feel like this was the first game where he just didn't really have it. Usually he's shooting at a high clip, hitting those, you know, elbow jumpers, fadeaways. Nothing was falling for him in this one. And you could tell how frustrated he was after every shot sometimes. And so that was a little bit bothersome, but. I guess as an overall, Bob, you mentioned it about opportunities. You, you know, you like what you saw, but at some point you got to win. You got to get some wins. Now it just makes the home game against Providence, Western Kentucky. Like these games now become like must win for your conference. Uh, not your conference. Sorry. For your resume. Rather, if you're trying to build that NCAA tournament resume next March, you need to have some signature wins before conference play comes. Um, and right now that's really all you're lacking. It's no bad losses, but you got to get some wins. Right. Yeah. And you know, Feed off on Doughton there. Uh, starts the second half, he was just on the bench, and I was kind of confused yeah. by it. Didn't know if it was injury or whatever related. Uh, but Bill Koch is at the Ryan Center. They're doing uh, you know, a little bit of media leading up to the game against Providence. He was pretty candid in his video, just said that he benched Doughton to start the second half, trying to get a jolt out of him, trying to get something out of him. Because you said it, uh, Fats pretty much had no help in the second half of this game. Uh, first 10 minutes. Everybody was kind of flying. You had Cyril Langevine with with assists to like, Downton down below. You had Downton with assists to Langevine. I mean, a couple of good things there in the first 10 minutes. Very active. Tate came in and did pretty well uh, as well there. But Downton just quiet after that, quiet in the second half. Um, and you cannot have a performance like you do against Russell and you guys like Martin and Downton. Uh, just pretty quiet because Langevin had his hands full. I mean, all yeah. over all day, uh, he did what he could. Close to a double double here, but that Duke Culver, I have no idea why he doesn't start. I mean, he he looked like <laughs> he looked absolutely unstoppable. Um, but he has hands full down low. Jermaine Harris as well, and uh, Jeff Doughton just not able to get anything going. I would put the same with Martin as well. I mean, Martin, you know, he ends up at the box score with 10 points because he hit those two threes, but really not much for him going, especially with 37 minutes. Um, I would hope that somebody else besides Fats could could, a ba- could put a basket in. But 25 attempts, you might look at that and say it like it's a lot, but nobody else is doing anything. And he hit half of them, more than half of them. So let him yeah. shoot three or four from three. Uh, he's killing it right now. And the way he gets to the basket sometimes too, we saw it freshman year. I mean, we saw it last year as well. But the way he's able to like shift his body sometimes in air to avoid getting blocked or to avoid con- whatever, it's very impressive because a guy of his size just to go right to the basket, he's going to get blocked. It happens you know, maybe once a game or something like that. Um, but the way he's able to move in the air and just get the shot out, out and out of his hands, it's very impressive. 
Oh yeah, I gotta think I was mentioned before the way he can contort or kind of hang in the air sometimes, just kind of delay it. Um, and he finishes so well at the rim. That's why I look at the box score. Obviously, you're not going to get 25 shots every game. We understand this was kind of a unique position to be in in this game. But like for me to see 25 shots and only four three point attempts, like that is that's music to my ears. I, I know he can shoot the three. We all know he can. But he does sometimes fall in love with it, and it felt like too much. I think he's just much more effective when he's driving to the basket, when he's going forward, moving forward, trying to finish there because he can draw the contact, and he's a great free throw shooter too. So as you're moving forward, he had some awesome passes in this one because once he gets going like that and he's hitting a few buckets, you see him carry himself better. Then the defense starts paying attention to him. I don't know if you saw his no look to Langevin towards the end of the game there, that unbelievable dish where it's like now you're getting his whole game going because he can pass too, and when all eyes are looking at him, he's going to see everybody else make the right play, whether it's finishing or kicking out. And so like, then it all gets going. I don't want him settling for these like jump shots or long range shots. That's not what you need. I, when he's attacking, you're much more efficient and a much better team. And I think you saw a lot of that here. I got to say too, another guy that I want to mention just quickly, it's what it's really nothing. It's nothing sexy whatsoever. Uh, to be honest, it's really not all that great, but I just think the fact that you're getting more than 12, 13 minutes a game from Harris has been kind of huge. Um, seven points in this one, just those two free throws at the end. I was just glad that he made them. Uh, rebounding a little bit, just having him more involved in the game. It's really nothing spectacular. Uh, the shots are really not dropping. But I got to say, at least he's getting in the game. He's getting minutes of experience. This was a tough team that he was playing. Uh, Culver is not easy to play with, along with the other bigs that they had. So... It's not perfect, but I want to get your thoughts on that. I just think that since we kind of called him out a couple of games ago, Harris has been a little bit better. Yeah, I think, and especially from, you know, roadie basketball world, it's pretty much all on Harris in terms of like, I feel like blame that goes around or criticism. Feels like everybody else on the team kind of skates by, but I feel like he's been the main target because it just hasn't been, I think, what maybe we all had in mind or what he could be. Um, and it seems like a limited improvement at times from him. In this game, though, specifically, Clearly, they were outmatched, outmanned, just much better team, more physical, bigger, athletic, you name it. They had a little bit of everything. I was just happy to see him with only two fouls. It usually just feels like right, that is thing. what ruins him every time. Is this early foul trouble. His body language stinks. He's out of it. He gets on the bench. Like, the whole thing, he's out of whack. He gets to stay in this one a little bit. Ends up with seven and six, which isn't bad. But if that's what I'm going to get every game, I'll take it. I can understand that. I just need major minutes because they don't have any other big men. You got to find a way to stay on the floor. And it like, it certainly helps him. Like you were saying, just being out there a little bit more involved, making some plays down low, some tip ins, just little things that you don't have to be the perfect scorer. You have a lot of guards that can score and Langevin scores himself. It's not even like he has to be the main focal point. It's just, can you give them major minutes until Walker comes along? And so like in a game like this, I liked what I saw. Not a great game, but I think in terms of him, it was certainly something to build off of. And that's why I, you know, I don't want to, go at him for once and, you know, not always blame him or come after him. Uh, I just feel like in this one, like you mentioned, a little better. Can I go after somebody, though? Yeah. Not even a whole game worth, but really one thing that drove me nuts, that Dana Tate technical fall. That comes back to bite you. You cannot have that. You got to get out of there, walk away. I know you're frustrated. But that was a huge swing in terms of the basket, followed by the two free throws, ends up in the three-point swing there. When you were down at the end of the game, you had to run that, uh, three for fats. Remember they tried to run the curl that missed goes out of bounds that game without that tech. Obviously we don't know, but you might be running a totally different play. Not having to have a three at the end. There you might be running something to the basket, which fats has been unstoppable at all game. 
might've changed that complexion. That comes back in a big way to bite you in which he's usually calm collected, but he lost it in that one. And that hurt them bad. That just, that sequence was a big swing. I was waiting to bring that up in the main point. I was going to bring up besides the fact that it did swing the game was that really uncharacteristic for him. Yeah. I'm kind of surprised oh, yeah. to see that for sure. I mean, I don't know about you. Um, I know I was texting our friends about it, uh, one of them anyway, but I saw that I was like, I was angry, but then it, it, like I took a step back and I was like, "What's he doing? Why? Why is he's just never seemed like that type?" You could see a couple others on this team doing something like that, and to be honest, we've seen a guy get two technicals already this year. <laughs> yeah. um, but I just, if coming from Tate, I was I was kind of surprised and shocked. It was it was strange, but I, I couldn't like obviously they didn't think back to like that's a big swing. You were playing a little better. It was a momentum killer, like a little bit of everything that you'd showed so much fight in this game and just battling back and. That one, I think those points came in huge towards the end, your execution. Obviously, we don't know how it would have ended, but it, it certainly changes the out that, you know, the way you have to operate at the end of the game. And it just felt so off from him, too. Like you said, he's been good. I think this is one of his games a little bit where it wasn't his, his best game, where we've seen him with much better games, more involved, and he had a few turnovers in this one. You know, just not his best game at all. But guess who played pretty solid again, Bob? Yeah, I know. Who are you going to say? Jacob Toppin played yep. pretty, pretty good again. The usual. Yeah. I mean, it's not much. Like, what? Five points. Just when you watch him. Nice corner three. I think he had a putback or something like that. He just is active. He always feels like one of those guys that's in the right place kind of thing, too. And that's hard to say for a freshman. Most of the time, that's not how it goes. And he just seems to have a knack of where to be, how to play. Just ways to find impactful plays. And so, I, I don't know how you can't like that coming off the bench. Well, I got to say, too, I think... This is right around how many minutes he's been playing a game, but I think they would have left him in a little bit more if it wasn't for the foul trouble. I think he might, might have. Even, his he athleticism might have could have helped. Because he was really, I mean, the only guy that was being kind of active in this one, to be honest. So I thought that maybe the foul trouble limited his minutes, even though this is usually what he's been playing. I wouldn't have doubted um, Cox to keep him in there a little bit more, maybe 22, 24, something like that. So, um, But I think overall, Kyle, here, the, the message in – I don't know exactly what it is, but just watching this game and thinking of, I was thinking about it going in as well. I, you know, when you get into these running matches against teams like West Virginia, LSU, Maryland, Bama, I mean, Bama, you gave up 80, Maryland, you gave up a total of 73, LSU, 96, West Virginia, 86. You got to somehow make an adjustment, try to slow down these games. And I think that's going to be the key. I think it's a game like Providence this upcoming Friday might be a little bit of a struggle as well. No matter how bad Providence is playing, the rivalry always kicks it up and everything else. You try to get into a running match with them. I think they have more firepower than you in terms of guard. They definitely do. I could see you losing that one too. So I think that there has to be adjustments there. We cannot continue to give up 90, 80, 90 points to these SEC, bigger, you know, Big 12 schools, whatever, because we're going to lose those. We just don't have the depth. We don't have the scoring, and uh, they're going to have to make adjustments sometime. Yeah, I, I feel like those schools are also just hitting so many shots at a ridiculous pace that it was almost like, okay. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Even times they were set up in position, they just made good plays, and you just kind of chalk it up i mean I, I think we've been accustomed to pretty good defense like through the hurley years and everything that was the trademark i think now under cox it's still defense but it's not like as much defense first as much as i think they do look a little more fluid on offense and are more willing to run though bob i feel like that's i feel like that's almost what they want to do more of in a way so i don't know if you know that's the message but it feels that way a little bit i don't mind it with your athletes i just think like you kind of mentioned the, there has to be some improvement on defense. You can't rely on this the whole way through and just have all these, you know, track meets up and down. I, you need to be some form of a little bit slow it down, break it down. You mentioned a team like Providence, though. 
they've struggled to score at times. If you can kind of slow it down and break them down in the half court, they're not as efficient. They've struggled in that half court. So maybe, you know, in a game like this, like you said, it maybe it could be more advantage advantageous though for you or I maybe to try to slow it down and break it down. Um, so obviously Rhode Island here playing Providence this upcoming Friday, seven o'clock. So we talked about it when we talked about Providence, we talked about it, uh, now at Rhode Island, a uh, little bit of a breakdown here, Kyle. I mean, in terms of matchup rivalry game, throw everything out the window means everything, uh, in this one, Providence definitely with the more success over the last few years. Um, what are your thoughts here? Ryan center is going to be rocking. I think that atmosphere is going to be great. I think the guys are going to be fired up after the game against West Virginia. I think Providence has a chip on their shoulder coming in. They need a win. They need a quality win, so they have to prove something. Um, your thoughts, matchup, game, whatever. Give it to me. You know, there's no shortage of storylines. I know you just mentioned, you know, a handful of them, what they'll mean. In this type of game, I mean, usually if you look historically, it's gone oftentimes with home court. You know, home team usually has that advantage, as you would expect in college. It often happens. So, you know, I expect Rhode Island also have that kind of edge. But it also just comes down to how these teams are kind of playing right now and the direction they're going. It, it feels like Providence is certainly struggling. I think we've just added to that, and everybody knows that. Uh, what better game to turn it around? Then this one, we're all eyes in the state of Providence. That can certainly, uh, you know, change your expectations to Cooley real quick. If you're somebody that is not a fan of what he's doing right now, if he turns around and beat Rhode Island and establishes, you know, the consistency that's been there since he took over, you'll start to change your tune a little bit too. For Rhode Island, I think they need that win too. They've played well. This is one of those. You finally get, you know, the game at home. You won the last one here two years ago. You get that opportunity. You get a Providence team that is not playing very well right now. And you're trying to use that to their advantage where you keep them, you know, being unconfident because they were, they've had confidence before, but right now they don't have much of it. That Even that Pepperdine win, they had to sneak through. So they're not playing up to their capabilities and you want to keep them, you know, not being confident in their ability. Uh, on the reverse side for Providence, I think it's just kind of coming in with the blank slate, like starting over and just being like, well, those games, we stunk. It's gone. We left California. We're back home. We're on the East Coast. Let's just start over. We had this week off. Let's figure it out in between and just kind of go from here and like make this a new beginning of our season. That one third is over. These next two thirds, let's make them better. And so that's, you know, kind of the overall of where I'm at. If you asked me two weeks ago, Bob, about this game, I probably would have said Providence and not really wavered. This game gets closer, though. The way the two teams have played, I don't think it's that close at all. Rhode Island might even be favored. I don't know if they put out an early line yet, but with that home court mixed in, I, I know you can look on roster and on paper and say, well, Providence is more talented. You're right. But the way the teams are playing right now, they don't look like that more talented team. No, Rhode Island's definitely playing better at the moment. There's no doubt about it. They've had more quality wins. Um, yeah, right? I mean, just trying I would to say, Yeah, I mean, no, like, major yeah. marquee wins for either program. But in terms of, right. I guess, Rhode Island's Alabama wins stacks up. I guess so, yeah. They've so, been good at home, haven't lost at home. You know, truthfully, PC's only played one road game at Northwestern, but they didn't look well there. This is going to be a completely new environment that they haven't seen right. yet this year. I mean, the, you know, the older guys, they've seen these environments, nothing new, but a couple of the no newer guys, it'll be different. And so you never know how guys are going to respond sometimes to that. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to these matchups. I think Watson and Langevin will be fun. I think some of our guards match up pretty well. Uh, the only thing is here, I think that, you know, they clearly have the advantage at guard. Uh, there's no doubt about guard depth. So Rhode Island has to stay out of foul trouble. Their guards do anyway. Um, even a guy like, you know, Martin goes down with foul trouble here. They can just keep pummeling you with different guys um, with the ball. So, you know, they probably have a little bit of the height as well, oh, yeah. you know, in terms of guards and everything else. So you're going to have to adjust to that. 
I would say that too. There's one to look at for a guy like Fats who's been on. There's a lot of length and athleticism between Duke. I mean, Reeves isn't that great a defender, but he's still bigger. Like guys like that, right. that if they can get in the way, and I especially say Duke, because I feel like he'll have that main majority of like the focus is defending Fats. He has that length, athleticism, everything that can disrupt what Fats wants to do and make you know his life much more difficult. But that means a guy like that one. I mean, if somebody like Pipkins is on him, I'll take that matchup all day though. So you know what I mean? It's just somebody like having to figure it out because then it's Diallo on Martin. Do they, you know, prioritize fats and put Diallo on him and just take him out? I don't know. But I know we see a lot of zone from Cooley. I feel like you get a million different looks early to see what's working and then he'll try to go back to it. But I I think you have, you know, there's opportunities to be had there. It's just a matter of like from a Rhode Island perspective, can you can you execute them? This might be, I mean, the, I, I kind of am worried. The one guy I'm really worried about in this game is Duke. For whatever reason, I think his athleticism and his size and the position that he's going to be playing uh, is something that could definitely expose Rhode Island. So He's been good, um, too. He's been that. good, too. Yeah. There's no doubt. Probably one of the better players. So yeah. exciting matchup. ESPN2, which is unbelievable. I love that. <laughs> uh, they've been picking it up like the last two years or so. Uh, uh, between FS1 or like now ESPN, right. it's been CBS. I know this used to just be on Cox, the local network, not a really a thing at all. Over right. the last few like decade or so, this game is now picked up and now it's a Friday night ESPN2 game. I mean, right. even that in itself is a pretty big accomplishment. That's going to be fun. It'll it's be an be awesome. Fun. It's going to be a good time, an awesome atmosphere at this one too. It always no is. Yeah, you know, a little extra. Usually it's a Saturday afternoon or something or night. Now you get this. Friday night game, a little different feel, but on a national TV audience, so it'll be it'll be a pretty cool one, I think. I think the students might be a little bit more lubed up on Friday, <laughs> to be honest with you. So it might be a little yeah. bit rowdy, as if as so. if they needed it for this game. Is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but definitely come a little lubed up. Yeah. Um, but uh, before we get to, so what we're gonna do is we're gonna actually we'll bring you right to the TJ Buchanan interview now, and then uh, we'll pick it up on the other side with some college football. All right, and now we are joined along recurring guest, uh, coach. I'm going to say head coach, or sorry, assistant coach, TJ Buchanan. TJ, thank you so much for having uh for taking the time with us. No problem, man. Thanks, guys, for having me. You know, this is our second year going. I'm just, I'm, I'm forever grateful for you guys having me. Yeah, so you know, it's our our second year in a row, third time overall. So I just want to, I know I brought it up last year. Um, so your third year as well, you know, player development to, uh, director of basketball operations now to assistant coach. There's one thing that's kind of been consistent. Obviously you're a very hard worker and, and very deserving, but you've also been on this podcast three years in a row. So a little bit of a bump here. We, I'm hoping that we still have you on next year and that you're not head coaching somewhere after this podcast. <laughs> no, you guys, you guys got me. Man, I like coming. I like coming on here, talking with you guys, and we we have, we always have a great time. So, no, nope, I'm always I'm always uh, with you guys for sure. Uh, and we're so thankful that you always come on. Um, give us an overall so far this year. What's uh, been the transition like for you? New position. I mean, you know, within the same program, but you know, I'm, I'm sure new responsibilities, new duties. Um, just kind of take us through how it's been so far in uh, like the first month or so. Uh, it's been fantastic, honestly. I. Uh, I actually got a chance to step up early last year around around January. So it it was a big transition for me then just learning everything that goes into being an assistant coach with recruiting, with scouting, with just everyday everyday uh everyday things that you, you have to do as assistant coaches was a little bit of a transition for me, not too much because I've seen it a lot and I got to be around it a lot. So it was uh it was a pretty pretty easy change overall, but I would say probably just building my network and within recruiting was, was the hardest thing for me. 
Uh, yeah, we noticed it at the end of last year. I think it was uh, reporter Bill Koch that kind of threw it out there that for a couple of games there towards the end, uh, you were stepping up and you had, I think it might have been called the scout on the game. You, bring us through that. Like, is that you watching more film on the opponent? Are you calling out plays? Like, what are the responsibilities there uh, when you have something like, or when you're uh, in charge of something like that? Yes, definitely. That that all goes into it when you, when you have to watch watch film on the on the other team and you have to learn their plays and you try to learn their play calls and you, you want to know their personnel for their whole roster um, and, and just things of that nature. It, it's, it's time-consuming, but it, it's fun to me. Actually, I enjoy it. I love the game of basketball. I love watching the game of basketball and learning and teaching the game of basketball. So it was that 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 goes into it. So it was it was it was pretty cool to get a chance to do that last year, especially in some important moments during the A10 tournament, some big games on the road last year for us before the A10 tournament at St. Joe's. I got a chance to do it, which was my first one, and it was a huge game for us, and we were, we were able to pull it out. So that felt really really good to showcase that I was I was prepared for the moment, I was ready for the moment, and I feel like. I feel like that that right there solidified me and, and our head coach David Cox's eyes, and I was uh, I was ready for the challenge. Uh, speaking of challenges, what's been probably the the toughest challenge so far on this season with this you know in in your new position? What what have you found a hard time with? Um, it's just it's just the grind. Honestly, I, I don't really have a hard time with the scouting or or with or player development, or recruiting, but I would just say the grind. And what I mean by that is just the every day you have to you, you have to be locked in on, on winning. You have to be locked in on keeping your guys happy and, and also getting them better with player development. I take tremendous pride in getting our guys better. I'm in the, guy, I'm in the gym every day, morning, all the way until I'm getting ready to leave, 6 or 7 o'clock at night working guys out just to try to improve them. And I think we've seen that this year with a lot of the guys, not to take all the credit, all our coaching staff does that, but I do take tremendous pride in player development. You mentioned a a little bit of a bump in in getting uh, more involved in the recruiting at the school, right? You know, basically right after you named assistant coach, uh, DJ Johnson, Juco transfer came over to the program. Uh, you know, we've been, we've been following along late edition here. Uh, did you guys bring him in, um, knowing that it was a developmental thing? You guys trying to get him involved just, uh, just as a fan's perspective, no minutes logged, uh, somebody like him, a uh, big man that could play some minutes. What are his, what's the status on him? How's he doing? How's he getting acclimated to the program? DJ's been great. DJ's been great. He's been fantastic. He um he's a guy that that we believe can help us down the stretch, and we're going to continue to work with him and continue to build him and have him up for film and keeping him in the gym and in the weight room. We, when we put him out there, we want him to be completely ready. Um, he didn't get a chance to play a lot of high school basketball um, because of some unfortunate circumstances, but he was able to fight through those and and still get make his way to a junior college where he where he uh where he did a great job of where we found him and we knew he was a tremendous tremendous shooter and he was uh he's a really really tremendous shot blocker as well he still has some other game uh, parts of his game that he needs to work on but that'll come with time that'll come with time 
So you guys have had eight games so far. Uh, pretty tough schedule, you know, so definitely challenging yourself. Different tournaments on the road like Maryland. Um, just a lot of opportunities and some good wins in there. Uh, what have you seen so far from your guys? What's the feeling around you, like with this team, about the wins, some of the losses? Just how are you guys feeling right now? We feel really good. We feel like we're at a at a, a crossroads in our season where it could go really, really good for us or go really, really bad for us. So we know that the, these last four non-conference, five non-conference games that we have coming up are going to be huge for us going into A-10 play. So we're locked in on the month of December, and we're just we're just honestly taking it one day at a time. Uh, we're just trying to get better. We, we learn from our losses and we learn we learn from our wins. Our guys have been have been great. We got great leaders and Fats Russell, Jeff Dalton, Cyril Langevin, Tyrese Martin, guys like that have, that have been been fantastic for us this year and building our culture back and getting guys fully acclimated to the team and, and our and what our expectations are as a as a Rhode Island basketball player. So far this season, you know, one guy that stuck out to, to fans and, and you guys, people watching the game, uh, freshman Jacob Toppin come in playing, you know, significant minutes, especially as a freshman and everything else. Um, but other two guys with him in that freshman class, Makai Long, Gregory Hammond, how are those guys developing? What, you know, what's their process like? And, uh, you know, just uh, were you surprised at all that, that Toppin came in and is playing, you know, close to 20 minutes a game and kind of having the impact like he has? No, we knew Jacob was going to be a, a good player right away. We knew he had to take the summer and really hit the weight room hard. And if he did that, he would he would put on the right amount of weight for him to be able to be on the court with with, with pretty much grown men. And he he did that. And he's a he's a great person to be around. He's going to be a great player here, one of the greats. He'll go down as a superstar here at the University of Rhode Island as long as he continues to improve every day and, and take the game serious and uh, continue to work on his body. He he's going to go down as one of the better players to put on the Rhode Island uniform uh, in recent years. <clears throat> the other two guys, Makai Long and, and uh, Gregory Hammond, both are two guys that are going to be great for us, um, hopefully uh, hopefully sooner rather than later. But um, they, they've been awesome. They're, they're awesome to work with. They're, they're, they're super talented. They're guys that have a high IQ, and they're just, they're just finding their niche right now. It's not going to happen overnight. And they knew that they knew they knew it was going to be a process coming from high school to college is a process for everyone. But they're taking it head on, and, and I'm sure you'll see a lot more of Makai Long, um, just because he's a, such a great defender. He's a he's your ultimate glue guy, honestly. He reminds me a lot of myself, just a bigger version. And we hopefully you guys will get to see that, and all our fans will get get a chance to see that sooner rather than later. And Gregory Hammond is explosive athlete, a guy that has a chance to be one of the better defenders in our conference. He's a guy that just has to continue to improve every day. Uh, we want these guys in the gym consistently. We want them in the film room consistently just so they can see the mistakes that they're making or that their teammates are making. They can learn from it because we know that for us to win a Olympic championship this year, we're going to need all of those guys. Uh, TJ, you've done a little bit of recruiting, right, last couple of years? Yes. Can you explain to me then? How do guys like Jacob Toppin and even his brother, Obi Toppin, how do these guys go like unnoticed and then they're gems for, you know, A-10 programs that find them and take them? Um, it, it could be a lot of different things, um, a lot of different things, whether they, they some guys play AU, AAU, some guys don't. Some some guys might play AAU at a very, very high level on that. EYBL circuit, Nike EYBL circuit, or the Adidas Gauntlet circuit. And then there's other guys that are play. Um, play on a lesser level 
there's lesser competition. So it's hard to identify guys at that that aren't playing at the highest level and try to see if they they, they have a chance to uh, play at our level. So guys like that can get lost sometimes, and, and you never know if he's, especially if he's just some guys had him labeled as just a shooter. But he's he's a lot more than that. He's a great defender. He's a great offensive rebounder, and he's a guy that can make open shots. So it, it's a it, it, things like that are how guys get lost, and it, it can go into what school you go to as well. You know, if a lot of guys go to public schools, they can get lost um, just because of how popular the prep prep school school is now. Guys are going to prep. Um, sooner rather than later, just because they want to play against higher competition. Um, let's talk about a guy like Jermaine Harris coming in last year, true freshman, uh, getting thrown in the fire right away, basically been starting every game uh, since he's been here. Uh, this season, especially the last, I would say, three, four games, um, a lot more effective in terms of not getting into foul trouble super early. Really, you know, mm-hmm. two fouls, uh, zero fouls mm-hmm. a couple games ago. Um, what's that been like working with him on, on, you know, being in those games more and getting more experience and, and developing him? It's been great for him. Last year was great for him. He, he, he was great for us last year, just with how physical he was as a, as a inside presence for us and, and just him just being around the rim. He's a guy that, that, that's still learning the game. He's still pretty young. So he's, a, he's finally finding it. He's finally figuring out how to play without fouling, which is hard for bigger guys. I and mean, we, uh, smaller guys, we, we may not understand that, but for bigger guys, it's harder because they, had, they're, they're, at a young age, you're taught protective paint. And he's a physical guy that, that, that can be really, really good, really, 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 really uh, uh, powerful in the paint. And he just has to learn how to control it. And that, that he has. And I think you're going to see his offense again start to come along with it because his numbers may not show it, but he is definitely one of our better shooters. And um, if you watch him in practice, you'll see him knock down five, six in a row. Um, but he's he's still just figuring it out at this point. And once he does, once he does he's going to be a, a force to deal with in the paint, especially in our conference. You know, we get we get a lot of interaction with fans and other people around the program between our friends and, you know, you name it through social media. Um, one guy last year who got a lot of flack and criticism was Fats Russell. This year, on the other hand, though, you're not going to find any criticism so far. What's been the secret this year for him and just, you know, his development? No secret. He he stayed to what was working for him ending the last year out and with his big game at St. Joe's on the road, and he had a pretty good Atlantic 10 tournament as well. He just stuck to those things, and that's just hard work, dedication, and winning. And if you put all three of those things together, you get you get results. And that's what he's been. That's what he's done throughout the summer. He's been a great leader for our guys. He was never down and discouraged about him not making shots. He stayed with it. He fought through it, and now he's at a point now where he just he just can't miss. Knock on wood. Um. All right. So yeah. Right. Um. So let's let's switch it up here. We you know we've been talking to assistant coach TJ Buchanan. If you could do your best, um, because it might be a little bit tough. But we want to talk to the former player. Uh. You know the reason that we had you on here uh, was obviously to talk to you, but a big reason too that for the timing is uh the PC URI rivalry. Uh. The game coming up this Friday at the Ryan Center, seven o'clock. Um. If you could just describe, you know, how serious. And we, I think we've asked a few players on here, like Jimmy Barron, former Rhode Island players, whatever. Mm-hmm. How serious is the rivalry taken amongst the locker room with guys kind of from all over the country, but they get involved in this small state, and then this game happens. Maybe you feel it after your first one, but tell me about maybe your first moment uh, playing against uh, PC and just what the rivalry means to you uh, as a former player. 
Oh man, this rivalry is everything. As a former player, we try to kind of down talk it to our guys and make it seem like it's just another game. But deep down, we know that this means something. It means something to everybody at the university, everybody in the state, and um, just all the alums. So we know what we're playing for, and we know we, we, we take pride in that, and we want to come out, and we want to really give it our all. And just me as a player, it means a lot. As a former player, I'm sorry, it means a lot. Uh, I, the first time I played it, and I can remember, it was I was in the Ryan's, and I've never seen it that packed before. And it was standing room only. And I checked into the game, and it was like, whoa, well, am I really out here right now? This is something I will watch on TV. And just that, that experience as a freshman, you, you, you'll never forget. That's an experience that, that you, you'll tell your kids about and things like that. So for me, it means a lot. You know, like I say all the time, I bleed Kenny Blue. And, and I'll do anything for the for the university or for that program, this basketball program. And I just want to just be able to bring it back home. We got them two years ago at our spot, and they got us last year. So it's time to bring it back up to to Kingston, Rhode Island, and that's 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 what we plan to do. How do you kind of like calm yourself down? Because like you mentioned, checking in the atmosphere, like everything about it is like I'm sure you're very nervous and everything, like many games. But how do you kind of, or what do you tell the guys? What kind of things do you tell them to get them, you know, just get their head right and not be too nervous? Um, honestly, I don't think it's anything we could say to not get them nervous, just because as a freshman, they they they've never played in front of that many people before in high school, and if they have, it won't be in that same type of environment that we all know will be on Friday night. Um, but we just we just tell them to go out and play, be yourself. Um, I know for me, when I was a player, I just I took it all in very quick. As soon as the game got to rolling, I was fine. So I think a lot of a lot of athletes, especially basketball players, that's how it works for them as well. So hopefully, once they check in and they, they get their feet wet a little bit and maybe touch the basketball, everything calm down for them. Now I could be I could be wrong, but this is just off the top of my head here. I believe it might have been your senior year. Uh, when the uh, the kind of screaming match between Hurley and Cooley <laughs> happened at half court, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, that was. Uh, I believe that was my senior year. Yeah. So what? I mean, do you remember at all what might have transpired there? I mean, things came out afterwards, but what's also your reaction as a player, just seeing your coach so fired up like that and passionate? As you know, as he's that he's always like that. It seems yeah. like even over there at UConn. But just bring me through that mm-hmm. moment at all, if you remember it. Um, honestly, I just remember EC walking towards their bench or walking, trying to, it was a timeout and he was trying to get back to our huddle and something was said and he reacted and uh, all I remember is seeing Coach Haley shout and scream. I really couldn't hear what he was actually saying because we were in the huddle, but I, that just made me want to just go fight harder. My teammates, my coach is out there fighting this battle with us. So it just made me want to just go even harder um, and try to get the win for, for those guys, especially our coach, because you, you knew he was in the he was in the fight with you. What a great moment. Um, TJ, it is – so right now it's just to get people at home. It is Tuesday night. Um, game will be Friday night, ESPN2. It's all been mentioned. Uh, what's, like, the schedule looking like for you guys this week leading up to it? What are you doing over the next couple of days? How do you prepare for this? Um, we had a great practice today. The guys were locked in. We were able to get after a little bit today, but and but moving forward, we won't do near as much. We'll we'll be uh we'll, we'll take it light. We'll prepare. We'll watch film. We'll we'll be locked in mentally, and uh, we just want our guys to be be prepared right away, and just to treat it like a normal game. We won't do anything out of the ordinary that we wouldn't normally do uh, for for any other opponent. But I think we're just gonna prepare the same way we've been preparing and just come into the game with with with, with a sort of focus and mentality that we're gonna walk out there with a win. 
Um, not that you want to give anything away. I'm, I'm, I, I doubt that Ed Cooley is a massive listener of the podcast, but, um, just, is there anything that you are? Is it a player or a, or a matchup that you're kind of focusing on there that you think PC is going to bring, uh, to you on Friday and you're really going to have to try to neutralize or, or take care of? No, no, we don't think that at all. We think that they're probably the deepest team we played this year, honestly. Them and outside of probably maybe Maryland, um, I think they're they they have tremendous talent all across the board. So we 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 have to prepare for their whole team, and we have, we know it's not just one guy you you're going to be able to shut down and win a game. They're so talented, so skilled, so big that we'll have to be prepared for their team in general and their depth. And just hopefully hopefully we can come out of there with a win. Just hopefully our defense can can prevail for us. We we spent a lot of time talking about ourselves. And we want to stick to the things that we do. So is and we think we'll be successful. So if we do that, stick to the way we play, the things we do, we'll be fine. Right, right. And obviously, you know, Kyle and I is, is former uh URI play URI not players, please. No God no. <laughs> as former URI uh Students and fans, you know, we're hoping that you guys come out on the right side of that as well. So, uh, TJ, thank you so much for taking the time out, um, especially during a hectic, crazy rivalry week like it is this week. Uh, hopefully, maybe we get you on later on this year, maybe the beginning of next year, whatever you have time for, uh, get to talk to you again. No, 100%. That would, that would be great. So, um, thank you guys again for having me. Uh, this is year three. Let's keep this this train rolling, and hopefully we can come out of there Friday victorious and and make everybody's weekend uh, awesome. pretty good. Love it. Thank you. All right, and thanks again to TJ for coming on. Uh, busy schedule. Obviously, assistant coach now, big deal. Uh, Providence coming up on Friday, just getting back from West Virginia. Uh, so taking the time out, giving us a phone call like he always had. Third time on the show, Kyle. Third time on the show. Glad to always have him on. Hopefully he keeps coming back. And, uh, you know, it's just great to talk to him, former player, former co- and uh, current coach. He's giving JV a run for his money here, trying to be on the most, I think. Oh, that's true. That probably is true. If I, had, I mean, you got JV, obviously, we have him on constantly. That was TJ's third time. Stone's been on twice. So, yeah, we got a couple of recurring. But, yeah, definitely giving TJ a run for uh, – go ahead. Oh, I was going to say – I screwed it up. Have every time we had TJ on now, has he been – promoted each time since we've had him oh yeah oh yeah like every single time he slowly worked his way up good enough he's going to be head coach and we're he's just going to have to talk to us yes oh yeah like we we can't he can't big time us it's going to be like no no we're we're on the ground floor there tj we got to keep this uh, going you're the reason that you have this job tj that's (laughs) That's exactly what it is i I don't want to say it but i mean i think we knew that um now (laughs) just to wrap it up here for the week college football winding down a little bit but you still get championship week this saturday uh so college football road talk locks of the week one and one again last week so we're splitting we're splitting right now last two weeks we've gone uh we've split one and one uh 15 and 12 overall record uh but we got some picks here for championship weekend kyle um sat i mean this past saturday was great um your pick of Iowa, right? Just knock they're five and a half. Uh they end up winning the game, but only by four. That was tough. I thought they might have had it. They should have. They should have. I hate them. So that was a tough one. 
Um, but turns out, I mean, I was wrong in my prediction of the Ohio State Michigan game. I, I mean, I had Ohio State minus nine. I knew they would cover. I just didn't think it was going to be like the year before and just trounce them again, and they just completely demolished them. I mean, Michigan scored early, seven nothing, and I felt so good about it. Like the fact that they scored early just and came out of the gate hot, I kind of thought that uh, Ohio State would come back and score, and they did. And right there from that second third quarter, they just absolutely pounced on them. Michigan stood no chance. I know, and what's weird is that I felt like in the first half, I almost feel like Michigan played well to a degree, and yet it speaks to how good Ohio State is that they were still down like two touchdowns already, and the game was right. like, it, and then they just obviously went a little further from there, but like, I didn't think they played all that bad. Like you said, their start was good. They were up there, aggressive, like making plays, and I was like, all right, we might actually get a little bit of a game today. I mean, going into it, I took Ohio State like you did, but I also then like you know a part of my teasers i even brought them down to like a field goal so i was like i don't know how this is gonna go <laughs> piece of cake i smoked them again I, piece of cake. I, I don't know why i even did that why did i have those thoughts creeping into my head clearly it was, it was, an, it was a non-issue that i apparently i just thought it was a big deal and uh hopefully you like i've been saying it every week keep taking it every week that you can clemson three-way Two out of three again this week. They hit the spread. They hit the first half. They just didn't get the over. These teams aren't getting that touchdown. So the Clemson three-way, four of six the last uh, two weeks. Um, last three weeks, it would actually be seven of nine. So unbelievable stretch for the Clemson three-way. And uh, don't don't uh, hesitate to take it against Virginia this week, too. You're going to do it, too? Just stick with Virginia, the plan? Yeah, Virginia just... stinks. I mean, I, I know they just beat Virginia Tech, and they were all excited. Yay, yay, yay. I remember watching them against Notre Dame and being like, how the hell did this team ever even get sniff a ranking? Like, how did they even sniff the top 30? Virginia stinks. So um, definitely taking – I'll absolutely take it. I'll take it I'll take it during the college football semifinal probably. So um, we'll have to just see what it is. Just – I mean, that sounds aggressive, but I might. So, uh, Kyle? Give me your thoughts. Only a limited amount of games this week, so it makes it tougher for sure. But we like, I mean, you definitely like the big games anyway. I just took one this past Saturday. What's your pick for uh, Saturday? <sighs> Championship weekend. What a weekend. Honestly, Mob, uh, I said Bob instead of Bob. Sorry. Uh, for me, I'm going to kind of go with the team that we've been talking about that we did last week. Ohio State. I don't care what the number is. I mean, I, I have it at 16 and a half right now. I'll still take that number. Granted, one. They're pretty damn good. They're the best team, if not the second. I think LSU was, you know, close, but like they might be the best team. And I just have no faith in Wisconsin. I know they just beat Minnesota. I get it. I watched it. I had Minnesota. I saw the whole thing. But when Wisconsin gets into these games with these stellar athletes, teams like Ohio State, they just don't have it. They can't compete with them. They can't play with them. Nice, solid team. Their only hope is that the game would be outside and like in a blizzard. But guess what? It's inside in a dome, Lucas Oil. So that's not happening. It's just going to be another track meet all the way around. Just give me Ohio State. Don't even think about it. Just hope that there's no backdoor cover situation. That's literally the only thing I would worry about. That's honestly, um, Bob, I, I feel like don't even think about it. Just take it. So it's unfair to do a double uh, <laughs> double play because I absolutely wanted Ohio State. But let's let's do this for the fun of it. I'm going to take it, locked it in this afternoon. Clemson minus 28 and a half in the ACC championship game against Virginia. Um, you know, Dabo feels disrespected. What a loser comment. I mean, Jesus Christ, buddy. You're like top four in the country. Um, but that, that does get on my nerves. But anyway, Clemson minus 28 and a half. Virginia stinks. Uh, this game is played pretty close to Clemson. They are going to roll and uh, make a final statement right before uh, the college football playoffs. 
I don't see any way they don't at least cover this. Clemson three-way in full effect. Um, I think it might even be in more. Ah, no, I would just I'd definitely take it because you'll get two out of three. But uh, Clemson, minus 28 and a half, that's the pick. So If your team is undefeated, number three, and yet you can still find a way that they're somehow disrespected, I mean, all credit to him. I don't know how you pull that one off. That is a magic I don't know trick because, I mean, I, I, I get it. People aren't saying they're the best. All right. But you're still number three. They're firmly in position. It, even though you beat nobody, everybody still respects you enough that you're up there. Like it's not right. like you're, I don't know, some other group of five that's just sitting yeah. around at number ten, like UCF the last few years. Like no, you're you're getting your respect. You're number right. three. You're firmly in the playoff. And if you don't like it, just go in. Whoever you end up playing, like that's it. Yep. I, I don't know what else you could possibly want. What you're mad about? I mean, it is the way it is, Bob. I, I just it's kind of working though because since they went <laughs> whatever it to takes, five, keep them hungry. I mean, whatever right. it takes. Ever since that week they went to five, they've scored like a bajillion points, give or take one or two, but a bajillion points, and they've given up like thirty. So <laughs> they clearly are using something in that locker room. Clemson has been kind of my favorite bet the entire year, um, and that Clemson three way has been phenomenal. So. Uh, absolutely take Ohio State. Take that for two units, probably. Um, stick with Clemson with one. But I, I love that Ohio State bet. I loved it this past Saturday. I love it again this Saturday. Wisconsin getting that win against Minnesota. Now people are thinking, oh, Wisconsin. Ohio State's going to win by 30. So I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know how anybody would be. It's college football playoffs right in front of them. Might as well go out with another bang. You know, Make your case to be the number one yep. team instead of number two because it's the case that LSU could jump them somehow based on these results. You know what I mean? And like that all matters, the matchup, who you're going to play and everything. So I, I feel like they have everything there to go make their case to stay on top and go play well. Uh, question for you, Bob. Yeah. It seems kind of easy this week, like in terms of laid out, like Ohio State when you're in, you know what I mean? Clemson when you're in. I think LSU could lose and still be in. Any drama we think this weekend? Anything that comes up surprising with these games? That's a good question. A lot of people do think that if Georgia beats LSU, there's an opportunity that LSU would get out. That's really the only drama I could possibly see, but I don't see how you don't put them in uh, losing the SEC championship game to the number four Georgia. And they have been unbelievable all year. I know that's not fair to say like, oh, yep, just put them in. But I mean, like, again, it's body of work. They've literally beaten everybody bad, like just win at Bama. Like nobody has that. You know what I mean? Like overall, there's not much to be said about that that I don't even care if they have one loss. They're that good. They should probably be in. No offense, Utah or I don't know, whoever else is out there that I don't know. Sorry, don't lose to USC or you Oklahoma. Sorry, don't lose to Kansas State. Like that's just what it is. The only other drama I could see is if Georgia loses to win Georgia, do they get in at that four spot? Um, Some people think that they might as well. I don't know there. So there could, you know, there's a little bit of drama, I think, that stands with the results of that LSU Georgia game. Besides that, I don't see, you know, Georgia might, if Georgia wins, LSU's still in. I think Clemson still stays at like three. Maybe they bump Clemson down to four, but uh, I see that top four staying the same. Uh, LSU beating Georgia, I kind of, I kind of believe in that. And uh, Ohio State will stay there. Clemson will stay there. And so I really think it's that fourth spot because, like you said, I think LSU right. wins, and then Georgia now has two losses. They're done. Sorry, but again, don't lose South. Who they lose to? South Carolina. South Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. Don't lose South Carolina. You're done. And then you're sitting there now. It's interesting though because it's Utah. Do they just slide right up, sneakily get in if they win, or does Oklahoma? Beating Baylor, do they leapfrog them and get in? 
Oh, I would love because that's a certain possibility. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. not that far away. We'll see tonight when they do the new rankings of like if they, that's true. they could there set is themselves a little bit up of drama for that. This but like if yeah, that's pretty much it. It's number four because if everything else plays out, you're just looking at that last team. Right. And I even feel like, again, Clemson loses. I still think they're in. I don't know. They have to be. I said Ohio State loses. I still think they're in. Like, I just think right. it's not just one game. It's a little bit of everything combined. And you tell me that you've been that great all year and all of a sudden now you stink. Like, no. It's really that fourth spot. And if Georgia wins, then forget about it. They're in. But if they lose, I that could be interesting what it they do be. with Oklahoma or Utah. It is interesting. So that is a little bit of drama. I do there like that. Um, you know, we'll have to see how it all shakes out. Uh, but in terms of our picks, Kyle, if we do go uh, 0-2 this week, we finished with a winning record. So That's true. We got the guys some winners. Maybe with Viggs, you're even. But at, right now, 15-12, and 12, you've won more bets than you've lost. That's probably better than your personal record is. So, um, just being honest. So, you know, that, it is what it is. So, if I just listened to the picks on here, I'd be doing better than what I make, plus <laughs> these side ones that I do on my own. I have nothing to show for it. It's not bad on everything else. Yeah, me and my old roommate Reed are not on speaking terms after he convinced me to take Minnesota. Um, I took Minnesota but, too. I can't even. That, I thought that was, oh, that was, I was not happy about that one. I don't know anything about Minnesota. And, uh, but I, you know, I had watched Wisconsin a bunch and he can, and it's my own fault. I mean, it's not his fault, but he convinced me to take both spread money line. He was so confident. I put so many units on both of those and they just sucked. They just, they just, stunk. they did. They stunk. They stunk. So that was upsetting, but, um, we'll definitely get you those picks. We'll get you some more college football stuff. Obviously wrap up roadie and PC rivalry week. Uh, so big episode next week. Make sure you're following along with us on Twitter uh, at Road Talk on uh, Instagram, the same thing, at Road Talk. You can get us on SoundCloud and subscribe on iTunes for every episode. The second that I drop them, they come right out if you're subscribed on iTunes, so you can get it the minute they drop. Um, that is the show. We will see you next week. See you.